Off the ball. Paul could have been chucked out the island squad numerous times. Jack supported him. He was incredibly sensitive to anything. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Welcome back to the show, Jilly Flaherty. Morning, Jilly. Morning, how are you? Um, I was going to say one last shot for the year, but it probably won't be that long before we have you back on again because there's a lot in the <laughs> calendar upcoming. But we do need to pick through events, obviously, last weekend. The WSL done and dusted. The top two did what was needed in the end of the final day. Arsenal finished with a bit of a whimper, but they had third lockdown uh, regardless. But Chelsea are the story. Needed to win to be uh, certain. They were 2-0 up at halftime against Reading. Job done and worthy winners. Yeah, and I mean, I, I was commentating on the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, Chelsea, I was speaking to the, uh, Emma um, before the game and there was never no hint of, oh, this could be a tough game or, or anything like that. I think they was fairly confident um, that they was going to get the result. And yeah, they come out in the, in the first, I'd say, 10, 15 minutes, Reading done well. You know, they they was keeping possession of the ball and but they, they never really had a real threat. Um, and then, yeah, Chelsea obviously get the first goal. Um, they get the second just before half-time as well, which ultimately kills the game. And Reading, they, they had one chance. They had a, they had a header. Um, but, yeah, there was never... It was only ever going to be one team that's going to win that game. And obviously they got the job done and, and they, they won the league. Yeah, and like... Um... One, one with Reading still fighting for it wasn't as if they were just there to be bowled over as well they had actually something to play for themselves will you talk to us just tease out on Emma Hayes a little bit more because inevitably when a season ends and a team ends up victorious um, everybody ends up picking through the details as to why this has come to pass and one of the things has been about Emma Hayes' attention to detail about the key backroom appointments sleep coaches one-to-one nutrition uh, supplements and monitor uh, monitoring training loads around menstruation uh, noteworthy it felt to me reading it, uh, Jilly, because it's possibly not happening at many other clubs. Yeah, I mean Emma's Emma's always been the best of the best. Like the the from when I was there at Chelsea, we I mean obviously Man City at the time put in a lot of money as well um, when I was at Chelsea. But anything we wanted, um, Emma made sure that we got, and she's always constantly looking to improve in regarding like the menstrual side of things and. Um, players' ACL injuries and, you know, like when players were coming back from England camps or international camps in general, it was about looking after them. Um, and that's, and I know it does help because Emma's got a big squad. So she can rotate players, she can manage players' minutes. But all the other side of things in regards to the sleep, the, I know they've got like, um, recovery chambers down there. Um, they've got everything that the club need and the players need. Um, and that just shows. And I know obviously it all talks about budgets, etc. But if you're looking at Arsenal men, you're looking at the Man City, um, Man United, they've all got the same budget in that side of things mm. to put that into the women's. You know, it's not like Chelsea met the men's side is the most successful and they've got more money than anyone else. It, it's, that's not the case because in regards to the, the finer details, like getting a sleep coaching. You know, um, I know when I was at West Ham, we had a sleep coach there as well. who really helped, especially more so the international players and they come back from travelling and, you know, the jet lag and everything like that. Um, 
which is obviously there's more international players um, in the Chelsea women's team. But it's just that finer detail and the attention to detail that Emma brings that other clubs really they need they need to learn from us. I find that incredible. Like I, I exactly like you're saying. Like the scale of some of the clubs that you've mentioned there. That and and so all of those concepts, most of those concepts, have been known for some time, are understood, and are implemented over in the men's game. Why why is it not happening on the in the on the women's side? Um, I don't know. Is it maybe potentially budgets? Mm. Is it? Um, oh, listen, Chelsea. I mean, most women's clubs probably run at a loss anyway. Um, in regards to the what they bring in for the, what they generate in regards to the club. Um, but you're looking at Chelsea, like it's proven they have success every single year. Um, they're, they always, obviously they're always um, winning titles. They're winning trophies. You know, you've obviously got the Champions League that they go far in. Um, but I do think it's a case of just buying into it, you know, and the women's game's only going one way. It's going up. Mm. Um, and it's, not even if you take out the the top four as such, but it's about getting other clubs who are lower down the pyramid, who are lower down the league, to invest in their women's team. You know, because what you don't want is what you see sometimes throughout this season was the top four, potentially top five break away, and then the rest are all sort of sitting near the bottom fighting for the scraps. Uh, Emma Hayes certainly leading the way, Julie, when it comes to, to, to management levels and, and levels reached in the WSL. We saw the news this week of uh, Lydia Bedford uh, being appointed the, the Brentford under-18 boys head coach. So, of course, Lydia is former Leicester City women's manager. She's leaving her position as Arsenal assistant manager at the women's setup as well. Uh, seems like it's, it's a small it's a small thing and a small first step, but it seems like a, like an important move as well. That that it's fairly landmark in that she's coming into the men's game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a, it is a huge uh, position for her to take up. Um, it's going to be completely different to coaching and managing women. Um, it's the same, I think, when you get men who have worked in the men's game come into the women's game, that you have to learn to do things a little bit differently. It's natural. So that'll be the same um, vice versa with Lydia going over to, to that side of things. Um, but it is, and, and it... And you look forward, I know people say, but you look forward to a day where a woman managing a men's side or a boy's side or a boy's academy, it, that isn't news, mm. you know, because it, it is the norm, you know, and it is fantastic because someone's done it. And like you said, it is a landmark and you want to encourage more women um, to get involved in coaching alone, whether that's with boys or whether that's with girls, because um, there's not enough women's coaches. But you look forward to a day where it's just going to be like, oh, so and so, she's gone and got a job with a men's team. Oh, brilliant! You know, rather than ah, oh, is it? Because it, it, it is a huge thing, but it only hopefully will entice more more women to to take those opportunities. And I think whether we like it or not, like an owner of one of those clubs soon is going to go. Emma Hayes is doing some serious job at Chelsea, and we need to get her in. Yeah, man, and I, I spoke about this the other day because. Um, the FA have done like a Chelsea mural of Guru Wrighton, um, which I went down to to sort of launch. And the, one of the reporters there asked about MR and said about um, her going into the men's side. And you sort of you want to ring, you want to encourage it because, like I said, it's, it 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 would be huge for the women's game in general and for Emma. But at the same time, you don't want to lose Emma from our women's mm. game because she's so good. She fights for so much, you know, and she is one of the best managers that there is. So you don't want to lose her. You want to keep hold of her. 
Um, I don't know what Emma's um, aspirations are, whether she wants to go into the men's game or whether she wants to continue to drive the women's game forward. I'm not too sure, but it's, it's selfish from, say, my point of view that I want Emma to stay in the women's game because I know that she can fight for a lot for us and she can drive us forward. Yeah, well, that makes total sense. Who knows what Arsenal might have done uh, this season, but for the injuries um, and in the in the window, they'll lose a major centre back option. Um, it's a couple of players that are out of contract that there's not so much clarity just yet as to whether they're going to stay or not. There's the McKay will she won't she stuff. Uh, feels like a really important window for Arsenal to try and bridge that eleven point gap. Yeah, and I think I think from like you sort of got like the last last game of the season vibes in their game against Villa. Um, obviously Villa deservedly so took the three points 1-2-0 um, but it was sort of seemed a bit like we're done we're dusted you know we need a break um, you, you feel for a lot of the players who have had to put in over 150% this year because of the fact of the injuries and, and the things that the team have gone through emotionally as well like it's just been a constant up and down for them um, but the main thing is that they secured Champions League um, for this for next season, um, which was huge for the club. But yeah, I think off season, you you'd be interested to see how Jonas recruits. Um, and I think if there's anything that um, Arsenal would have learned this year would have been in the sense of if we do get a couple, two, three serious injuries, we still have a squad big enough and good enough to compete and not fall away. Um, you're looking at Chelsea. You're looking Frank Kirby and Peniel Harder basically spent majority of the season out mm. and Chelsea still managed to go and do the double. And so that's where that is that you need that that squad depth. Um I think it's huge that they've um secured Freedom Arnhem on a on a new contract because she's been huge for him. Um but now it is about in the off season, obviously Raffaele's gone. So now you need to get new, new, more centre backs in. You know, you've already got one of your centre backs who you know is out for for quite a while. Obviously, you do have Mead coming back, um, who seems to be flying with a, a rehab. Um, Mead and Mars obviously still to come back too, but then you can't put a lot of pressure on players, especially when they're coming back from ACLs to come back flying. And you know, you've got to give them time to get settled back into the game. But it'll be interesting to see what he does, especially in this off season. You mentioned the Arsenal manager, Jonas Eideval there, uh, Gilly, and, and he's written a really interesting first of a series of columns, I think, in The, in the Guardian that he's going to be doing uh, over the next number of weeks. But um, kind of a preview of, of tomorrow's Ch- uh, Champions League final between uh, Wolfsburg and, and Barcelona. And, and he's pointing out the narrative of the previous th- few Champions League finals where there's been a really, really fast start by one team, uh, profiting from their goal-scoring opportunities early on, getting that early lead. Um, and, and I think he's right, isn't he? The first 15 minutes of this this final, uh, as he puts it tomorrow, will be very, very intense. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see um, how both teams start. I mean, obviously, you're looking at Wolfsburg um, in their semi-finals against Arsenal. I mean, they had a, a great start. Um, at home because obviously but that was through Arsenal's mistakes that they got so 2-0 up early on um, and you're looking at Barcelona who they started fast against Chelsea in their semi-final but then struggled to really break down Chelsea for the remaining of those games so it'd be interesting to see how both teams come out um, obviously if you're looking at the history of the Champions League 
Wolfsburg have been in the final more times than Barcelona. Um, but for me, I just, I, I, I watched, obviously I've watched both of the semi-finals and I just, but I just don't see anyone beating Barcelona. Um, I think if Wolfsburg made the same mistakes that they did, like they did against Arsenal, then they'll be punished. And they made more mistakes against Arsenal, but wasn't punished for them. But I think if you're, if you're doing those mistakes against the likes of Barcelona, you're going to get punished. So, It'll be interesting to see how both teams set up for tomorrow's game. On that uh, article that Shane mentioned about Eidevel, like he also spoke about um, the tactical side of, of trying to uh, limit Wolfsburg a little bit. He spoke about trying to engage their full-backs a bit further up the pitch, um, particularly to try and make Jun's daughter um, play a little bit deeper. Like uh, when you talk about it, it, like her performance and her ability to score what, in terms of the possibility for an upset here, is uh, key. Yeah, most definitely. And and it's, it's bad because you look at it, like I said, Wolfsburg will probably be going into this game as underdogs against Barcelona, but they've won more Champions League than what Barcelona have. Um, and it's because obviously they've, they've not been in it for the recent years, but they're, they're, I mean, Wolfsburg have got some great players and I do think her uh, pop plays as well because I think against Arsenal, she was having to come so deep to get the ball that you missed her creativity, you missed her drive further up the pitch. You know, she couldn't be in both places at once. Um, but yeah, Wolfsburg need to, to play to their strengths too. They, they are a very good team. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it is a one-off game, but it is the Champions League final. It's probably the biggest one-off game that, that you can play. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see the game. I'm excited for it. Um, and yeah, excited to see who comes away winners. And hopeful that uh, Lucy Bronze, I'm sure selfishly as well, and being all England fans looking at that saying, back from injury, big performance would be a nice way to round up the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously she had the, the knee surgery, um, but she's just seen, I don't know if it was more just of a clear out really in her knee. Um, but yeah, I mean, she'll be pushing, she's an ultimate pro, you know, and she'll be pushing to be starting in that game. Um, also excited to see how Kira Walsh does as well. I think she's been fantastic since she signed for Barcelona. Um, so she again for Wolfsburg she'll be key to stop because her distribution the way she can get the ball turn face up you know and play those passes um, will be key for, for Barcelona so yeah it'll be interesting to see how they stop but fingers crossed Lucy Bronze Keir Walsh if they do play they have a great game but they stay fit obviously for the World Cup but it sounds like you're saying Barcelona either way <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, I mean I find it hard not to see any other result, mm. um, but I could be sitting on there again with pie on my face because Wolfsburg absolutely annihilate them. But I just can't see it from from watching the games. I think Barcelona were, were tight at the back; they were compact. You know, they didn't really have much trouble them. Um, whereas I think Wolfsburg did on the other hand. Um, but it'll be interesting to see to see uh, what happens and, and who comes away with it. Can you make any argument for Wolfsburg? No, yeah, I think I think Wolfsburg. I think if you're looking, that they've they've got the mentality because they they know how to do it. You know, they've been there, they've done it, they've been on the, the both ends of the spectrum in in the final, um, and they have got fantastic history with the Champions League. Mm. Um, they have got great players as well. You know, they they have got they have got big players. Like I said, it depends on how much you get pop on the ball as well, um, whether you can get her higher up the pitch rather than picking up off the. The defenders, you know, she's she's too low. You need her higher up and creating things. Um, 
I, I, I think it will be a lot harder than just, oh, Barcelona just going to turn up and win it. Mm. Um, they are two very fantastic teams, but for me, I just, for me, I see a Barcelona win. And finally, we're we're uh, eyeing up the possibility of things go well for us in Australia. We might end up playing England, so we're paying some attention to the uh, squad naming this week. And England were one of the first out of the blocks with it. Bet me missing, obviously, is a blow. My Letizia not making it was one of the headlines. And Beth England, uh, full value for her recall? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I commented on Beth's Instagram post because I said, finally, someone saw sense. Because what she's done since going to Tottenham, um, who were, uh, well, struggling anyway before she went there. But what she's done, even more so being there, she scored some huge goals from. She's she's basically single-handedly stopped that team from going getting relegated, basically, because of the goals that she scored. Um, so she deserved the call-up. You know, she, she's producing the goods. She's banging in the goals. She deserves to be on that plane. Um Obviously, my Letizia, I think it's harsh for her to miss out. I think she's had a fantastic season at United and Serena's come out and said that they see her more as a fullback. But for me, I think she's better than Esme Morgan. I think she's had a better season than Esme Morgan. Um, and obviously then Beth Mead, in all honesty, I don't think she should have really ever been in contention to come back into the squad purely off the fact that she suffered one of the worst injuries in women's football, in football in general. Um and she hasn't played for eight months. You know, I mean, it's not an injury that, oh, you know what, it's ligaments or it's your ankle ligaments will strap it up. It's a serious injury and there is a higher chance of it reoccurring. So I think it's the safest option. As much as obviously any England fan would love Beth Mead to be out there playing because she is fantastic and she brings so much to the team. You can't, in my opinion, go into a huge tournament like the World Cup off the back of having no match fitness and being out with a nine eight nine month injury with an ACL so I think it was a tough decision but I think it was the safest decision and the wise decision to leave her at home um but there's other opportunities now for other players who have been called up to, to go and show what they can do Laura Coombs who's 32 years of age has been called into the squad for her first uh senior tournament that's incredible yeah well, hopefully we do uh, draw England at some point during the tournament. It'll mean that we're progressing quite well. And that'll be an altogether different conversation, Jilly, which I would look forward to having. So um, enjoy the football tomorrow. Thanks a million. Lovely. Thank you. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.